Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? I'm glad to hear that. It's good to see each and every one of you here. And if you're our guest, if it's your first time here at New Community Church, or maybe you're new to church in general, I'll start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at NCC, and I've been the pastor here for a little bit over three years. We are a church that is passionate about making people and places new. That's our heart, that God would help us um, transform, that we would see that change in our lives, but also in the community around us. That's the heartbeat of our church. And you've picked a great Sunday to come on. We're in this series called Walk This Way. And as I mentioned, we've been in this campaign starting from last September where we've been walking through the Word of God together. We started in the book of Genesis, and we've been um, going through Scripture, hitting different key passages, key stories, and allowing God to speak to our life from those. And in this series, Walk This Way, we're going to be in the group of books that are known as the Major and Minor Prophets. So this is um, the group of books that's kind of towards the end of the Old Testament. Probably don't read a lot of them. The prophets' names sound a little weird, like Nahum and Habakkuk and all of those um, kind of different names. But we're going to look at them because these were men of God. And they weren't just guys with long gray beards, you know, kind of on a street corner preaching doom and gloom. These were people that spoke to the culture around them. And God placed a word inside of their life that I believe is still relevant today, even thousands of years later, that we can look and we can take what God spoke through them, what God did in their life, and we can look at our own life and ask God how he's challenging us to to grow, how he's challenging us to live out this message. And so that's this series, how we are being challenged to walk this way. So we're going to be looking at this. Uh, I'll mention this. I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it every week. But this message that the prophets give, uh, many times it's harsh, okay? So it's a difficult message. It's something that's challenging. But we need to remember that the heartbeat of God was not condemnation, okay? The heartbeat of God was not to push his people away but, um, or to shove them away or make them feel worthless or not valuable. It was actually conviction to call the people of God back to himself. He was trying to restore that relationship. That's what every verse in scripture is about. It's God's plan of redemption. God calling his people back into a right relationship with him. So as we read this, we need to have that picture of God designing and God calling his people back into that right relationship with him. And so this morning, we're going to look at this idea how each of us are called to be that messenger, to share the word of God with the people that God has placed around us. I can remember the first time that I actually had to give up, um, to get up and to give a message um, to a group of people just like this. I was 12 years old, okay? So imagine little Aaron, only 12 years old, um, super, super short kid. I was probably like the shortest in my class, um, really skinny. And I'm standing there. I was in sixth grade at that point, And I was looking into the eyes of 30 or 40 high school and junior high students. And we had just been, our youth group and a few of us, we had committed to what's, what was called like a discipleship program, kind of um, some spiritual growth things that we committed to. So every day, 10 or 12 of us, we'd be reading the Bible together. 
We'd be praying together and we fasted one day a week. So one day a week, we didn't eat all day until we came together that night and we'd study scripture. We had to memorize a chapter of the Bible. And at the end of kind of this three to four month program, you had to do something to what they said, minister, okay? So my youth pastor came to me and he said, Aaron, you can't sing worth a lick, okay? So you're not gonna get up and sing in front of people, but maybe you could preach, okay? Maybe you could share God's word with other people. And so I want you in our youth group on a Wednesday night, I want you to get up and share the message. And so I thought, I can do this. My dad was a pastor, right? I'd seen him do this a lot, so I'm sure I can do this. And so I took out my notes. I started writing down notes. I came up with a story to share. I came up with some scripture. I was going to talk about the grace of God and the power of the cross. And I got up after my youth pastor introduced me, and I started to preach, you guys. And I was passionate. I was so excited. Man, I was pacing back and forth. I was telling these students why they needed to live and, and the difference that the cross of Jesus made. I got to the end of my notes. I looked at the clock. I had only preached four minutes. And I was scared, you guys, okay? My knees are shaking. I don't know what else to say. I'm looking down. I have no more scriptures. I have no more stories. My youth pastor said, hey, you should take about 15 to 20 minutes. I had preached four and I didn't know what to do, so I just walked off the stage at that point. <laughs> and my youth pastor had to come up and, and kind of um, add a little bit to my message, add a little bit to what I shared. And I think about that. We're all called to be a messenger of God's word. It looks different for all of us. Okay, maybe you will never have to stand up on a stage like this and share God's word in this fashion. Many of us are scared about that idea of sharing the message of God, right? The number one fear along um, right alongside dying is public speaking, okay? So we would rather be in a casket than on a stage like this sharing the message of God because we have fears of rejection. We have fears of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. What are people gonna think? But God has called you to be a messenger of his word. And the good news this morning that we see from the life of Ezekiel is it's not just what we say, it's the way that we live. And we see this powerful picture in the life of Ezekiel of how he lived out the word of God. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Ezekiel chapter two. We're gonna start reading at verse three. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you and you can turn to page 404. In that Bible, you can kind of follow along with us as we walk through the story of Ezekiel and we look at different passages here. Now, Ezekiel is a young man, okay? Probably right around his 20s when God first appears to him and speaks to him. And we see in chapter one, we're not gonna read through this, but Ezekiel actually has a vision of God. He sees God, he's sitting by this river and this powerful vision of God coming across this field, the cloud of God, these angelic beings that he's describing and seem really odd to us as you read through Ezekiel, but he has this vision of heaven coming close to him. And this vision begins to impact his life. And we see this in Ezekiel chapter two, verse three, God begins to speak to him and this is what it says. And the Lord said to me, this is Ezekiel talking, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn, and I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear you or refuse to hear you, they will know that a prophet of the Lord has been among them. 
So whether they hear you or whether they refuse to hear you, they will know that a prophet of the Lord has been among them. As I look at the life of Ezekiel, I see the start that God gave him, this idea that he was an undeniable messenger, an undeniable messenger that he was someone who had been in the presence of God. He got a vision of God and God spoke something to him about his purpose. And there's something we can learn even looking at the beginning of the life of Ezekiel. Because God will come to you at some point in your life. You'll be in a service like this, right? And we'll be singing a song and all of a sudden, the idea of God's grace, the idea of God's love, as you sing that out, as you lift your hands, as you're declaring that, you'll see it in a different way, in a new light, in a way that you've not seen that before. We'll, you'll hear a message like this. You'll, you'll be in a sermon like this and, and God's word will speak to you in a new way. You'll feel challenged. And there's a reason that God does that. It's not just so that you feel good. It's not so that you look at your neighbor and say, look, I got goosebumps. Pastor Aaron's preaching really good today, or the music was really good today. Man, it really challenged me. God is doing that for the same reason he did that to Ezekiel. He revealed himself to show Ezekiel his purpose, that God had a plan for the life of Ezekiel, that God wanted to do something. And so God was showing a part of himself to Ezekiel so that Ezekiel could take the word of the Lord and share it with others. And that's what God does in our life. He is calling each and every one of us, just like he was this young prophet, to go and to take his word to the, to the people around us, to share the word of God. Now, so many times we don't do that. Why? Because once again, we're scared. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I get rejected, right? What if my words aren't right? What if I don't know how to explain a part of the Bible? What if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? And what is God's response to Ezekiel before he even asks that? He says, your responsibility isn't to get them to believe. Whether they hear or whether they refuse to hear, they are going to know that a prophet of the Lord was among them. Ezekiel, because you've been in my presence, because you've been close to me, because you've spent time with me and you've heard my voice, whenever you go out, whenever you share the word of the Lord, whenever you declare to other people what it is that I've spoken, they may believe you, they may laugh at you, they may not believe your story at all, but they are going to know that a prophet of the Lord has been among them. And I started to think about your life and my life that there are those times when we will spend time in the presence of God, just like you saw in that video, when you wake up early in the morning and you open up God's word, when you wake up early in the morning, students, before you go to school and you spend time praying, you spend time in the presence of God. Whenever you walk into that classroom, people know there's something different about you. There's something unique about you. When you leave that that kind of break room, when you walk out of that office cubicle, wherever you've been at, people look at your life. And when you've spent time in the presence of God, when you go forth with the word of God, having been in the presence of God, people will look at your life just like God says about Ezekiel. Hey, that's a person of the Lord. That's a man. That's a woman of God. There's something unique about them. They're different than everyone else that I interact with. I may not fully understand it. I may not fully believe it yet, but there's something unique about them. Ezekiel was this undeniable messenger. People came and they may have heard the word of the Lord. They may have rejected it, but they said, you know what? There's something different about Ezekiel. You and I are called to live our life in such a way that when people are around us, the presence of God the love of God, the power of God is at work inside of us in such a way that you and I were that undeniable messenger, that they look at us and say, you know what? That's a person of God. 
That's a prophet of God. That's someone who's different and someone who is unique. So how did Ezekiel live this out? It wasn't just through his words. God said they may accept it, they may reject it, but they're going to know that a person of the Lord, that a prophet of God was among them. So how did Ezekiel live this out? Well, we see this in a few passages in the book of Ezekiel, and I'm going to ask you to write this down. You can flip there in the Bible, but we're not going to read through all of these passages because they're quite lengthy. But I want us to get a picture of what God was doing in the life of Ezekiel and how he shared the message that God was giving him, how God challenged him to share the message that he was giving him. And the first is in Ezekiel chapter 4, right at the beginning of Ezekiel chapter 4. And this is what happens. The people of God are living in Jerusalem at this time, the city of God, right? They're living there. The walls have been fortified. These are strong walls. Other armies couldn't come in. God's hand had been upon them. God had blessed them, and so they're prospering. Everything looked good. Even though the people had rejected God, were worshiping other false gods, everything looked good on the outside. They were prospering. They had wealth. They had a strong city. They had a strong army, all of these things. But God kept on calling out to the people, hey, your hearts are far away from me. It looks good on the outside. Remember we talked about this last week? It looks good on the outside, but inside your heart is decaying. You have rebelled against me. And I want to warn you that if you keep on doing this, it's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to captivity. The people of God would not listen. And so this is what happens in Ezekiel chapter 4. God says, Ezekiel, I want you to go into your house. And so Ezekiel does. And God gives Ezekiel some very clear, some very specific instructions. Hey, I want you to get a few things. Grab a brick from your house and grab some frying pans, okay? So Ezekiel's got these things. And he said, I want you to go into the middle of the marketplace. I want you to go into the center of town. And this is what I want you to do. Take that brick and write the word Jerusalem on it. Write the name of the city of God. Write it there, right in the middle of the marketplace with everyone around, with everyone watching you, okay? And so Ezekiel does that. He gets down on the ground. He writes on this brick that God gives him. And then he starts to do this. He starts to take these frying pans, just as God had told him. And he starts to set them up kind of around these bricks. Okay, just like this. And people are watching him. Well, that's not really working for me. Okay, so people are watching him do this. And they're observing, like, what is going on? They're getting groceries in the marketplace. They're walking through the center of town. They're going to their workplace. They're seeing all of this that Ezekiel is doing, and it looks odd. Why is this grown man playing with this Lego set and creating this model, right? Like, what is going on here? And they're kind of curious. And then Ezekiel does this because this is what God tells them to do. Ezekiel, you're going to tie yourself up. Now, I tied someone up last week if you guys were here, so I'm not going to do that again this week. But he said, I want you to take a rope and you're going to tie yourself up, Ezekiel, and you're going to lay down on your right side for 390 days. So this wasn't just a one-day thing, 390 days. And Ezekiel, you're going to take a little bit of wheat, a little bit of barley, enough to make some bread, some water, and you're going to cook your food over poop for 390 days. And when people walk by and say, what is that disgusting smell? What is that model that's there on the ground? Why is that crazy guy laying on his side? Why every day when I go to the marketplace, I see that guy laying on his side? You're to tell them because God's people, they've rebelled against God. 
And because of that, God is removing his hand. He's trying to get their attention. And if they don't turn, if your hearts don't turn back to God, it's going to lead to death, destruction, and captivity. Someone is going to come surround your city. And that city that you thought was safe, that city that you thought was secure, it's going to fall, it's going to crumble, and they're going to lay siege to it. And then God told him, hey, Ezekiel, I forgot to tell you this. Then you're going to turn over, and for 40 more days, you're going to lay on your left side because Judah's heart has turned away from me, and they're going to be carried into captivity for 40 years. See, Ezekiel's living out this message. On a different day, after all of that had happened, over a year of this, of Ezekiel being in that same spot, tied up, cooking his food in that manner, God says, Ezekiel, go to the marketplace again. And I want you to go out in the middle of the marketplace with everyone around you, and I want you to cut your hair and cut your beard. I'm not going to do this, okay? On stage, you're not going to see me do this. Um, I, I like this beard. I like this hair too much, okay? But this is what God tells Ezekiel to do. It looked weird. He's out there as his own barber, cutting off his beard, cutting off his hair. And then he does something. He gathers up the hair that's on the ground, and he takes a third of it, and he burns it. Have you guys ever smelled, smelled burnt hair? I mean, people are smelling fruits, they're in the marketplace looking at vegetables, and then this horrible odor of hair that is burning, and they're looking over in the center of the marketplace. What is that awful smell? It's Ezekiel again. Now he's burning hair. And then they look over, and Ezekiel takes another third, and he takes out this big sword. He throws it in the wind, and he hits it with the sword. Then he takes the other third, and he saves it. He actually puts it in his garment. He keeps it. And they're like, Ezekiel, what, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, what's going on? And he says this, you, you think you can do this without God? You think that you're okay, that you can live your life rejecting God and that everything is going to continue on as normal? It's not. A third of you in this city, you're going to die by fire. Another army's going to come in and they're going to burn your house down. They're going to shoot flaming arrows. You're going to die by fire and your whole body will be consumed by flame. Another third of you, you're going to be struck by the sword and, and tossed into the wind and carried off into captivity. You're no longer going to be in this city. But there's a third of you that God will keep as a remnant. His protection, his promise over his people that he spoke to King David so many years ago, God is going to keep you. His hand of protection is going to be upon you because of a promise that he made. See, they can see it in Ezekiel's life. There's one more in Ezekiel chapter 12. You, you can turn there. Once again, God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel. He's laid down on his side. He's shaved bald. He has no beard. And God once again comes to him and says, Ezekiel, I want you to do one other thing. I want you to go into your house again, Ezekiel, and I want you to get some of your stuff. And so Ezekiel does that. He comes out into the marketplace, into the center of town again. And this is what he does. He sets out this blanket, this little bag, this kind of thing that he has. And God says, I want you to start to carry stuff out of your house. I want you to put it right there in the middle. And then go back, and I want you to get more, Ezekiel. I want you to start to drag the stuff from your house out into the middle of the street, out into the middle of the marketplace, and people are going to be looking at you. And you start to take that and put it right in the middle. I raided my kids' toy bins this morning, you guys. Okay? And, and I want you to just take as many clothes as you can get quickly, and I want you to throw them in the middle of that blanket. And then this is what you're to do. You're to take that, bundle it up by the edges, and start to drag it through the town. 
in Ezekiel, when you come to the wall of Jerusalem with your hands, you're going to begin to dig out the wall. As you're dragging that through town, whenever you come, just this small gap in the wall, whatever you can fit through, and then you're going to carry your possessions. That thing that you've been dragging that you got from your house, you're going to carry that through the wall. And when people are calling out from the city wall, when they're saying, hey, you're destroying our protection, you're breaking through the wall, what are you doing? You're to declare my word to them. You know what? Your hearts have rebelled against God. And so another army's going to come, and it's going to be quick. It's going to be sudden. You're barely going to have time to get things ready. And you're going to be carried off to a distant land because you thought you could do this on your own, and your hearts have rejected God. You guys, story after story, Ezekiel's one of my favorite prophets. There's so many more stories where God is challenging him. And as we look at the life of Ezekiel, as we look at passage after passage, what I notice about him is this isn't a one day a week message with him. This isn't something he just stands up on a Sunday morning and says, hey, I believe God. I believe what God is doing. This is what God wants to say. This is a man who lives this thing out. It's uncomfortable at times. You guys, Ezekiel's just like us. Sometimes we read these books and we think, well, he was some kind of Superman. He was some kind of hero. No, he was a normal person. And it was awkward to stand out in public and shave his head and shave his beard. I wouldn't want to do that. I don't know if you would want to go in the middle of Kroger or Walmart and start just giving yourself a haircut, right? It would be weird. It was weird for him. Dragging his stuff out of his household. It was awkward. It was awkward for her, his family. I mean, can you imagine being his wife and you don't have anything to cook with? Because Ezekiel's got your stuff out in the middle of the marketplace. It was weird for him. But what he said is, I can't just let this message just be something that I talk about. I have to live this thing out. In church, what Ezekiel discovered is talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You've got to live out the message that God is giving you. You've got to live out the message that God has placed in your heart. What it is that God has spoken to you, you have to find a way to take it just beyond a Sunday morning, just beyond a song that we sing in here together, and you begin to live it out in your workplace, in your schools, in your community, around your family, where people look at you and they say, there's something different about that person. That person's not like everyone else. There's something unique. They can't deny what God is doing in your life. They know you're a person of God. Why? Because it's not just a one day a week thing. You're living it out. Talk is cheap. We have to live this thing out. One of my favorite quotes comes from a Christian author named Brennan Manning, and this is what he says. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. It's Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door of the church and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. It's what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. Christians that will say one thing with their mouth, God, I believe in you. I love you, God. You're first in my life. And then we walk out the doors and we live a different way. See, talk is cheap. You and I, we have to find a way to live this thing out, to take the word of God and, and to actually put flesh and bones on it and, and to live it out in front of people, in front of people all around us. 
This is the kind of Christianity that the world is looking for. Not just what you say, but does your lifestyle match up? And that's what Ezekiel showed the people of God. It wasn't just a message that he was saying. It was something that he believed in. It cost him something. It was uncomfortable at times, but he wanted to show them, hey, this is the message that God is bringing to you. This is something that is real. This is what God is saying in each of our lives. And I look at your life and I look at my life and I ask that question, God, am I as committed as Ezekiel was? God, am I willing to take your message, God, and find a way to live it out in a real way for people around me, God, so they can see this? See, what the world doesn't need is a message that they can just hear but not see. The world does not need another message that they hear but they don't see lived out. They need something that is real. They don't need to just know about their future and their eternity, that someday out there in the future that heaven exists beyond the great blue yonder. They need to know, does Christ affect your life right now, right here, right today? Does God's restoration make a difference in you this week? The way that you're living on Monday, this hope that you talk about, this faith in Christ, has it actually changed you this week? Are you different today than you were yesterday, than you were a year ago? Because Christ is present inside of your life. It's not enough that we just talk about it. See, we have to find a way to live it out. Now, you can sigh a sigh of relief because this is not what God is asking you to do, okay? God's not asking you to go into the marketplace and create a little model. God's not asking you to do that, but he is asking you, church, to live out his word. That you and I, that we would find a way in our context with the message that God has given us to demonstrate this to the people around us. And the world is looking for that. The culture around us, they, they've changed. I, I thought about this, you know, you look at social media, right? And how it all started off. Does anyone remember having a MySpace? Anyone? You'd get on there and you'd look, you just listen to music, right? But then you could start to interact. Twitter came along and, and Facebook, and you could post a status update, right? Right from your phone or right from some device. You could tell people in 140 characters what you were doing, and they could read about it. They could read that you were out to dinner, that you were hanging out with friends, that you were at a ball game. In 140 characters, you could express this is what I'm doing. But then the culture changed. Things advanced, right? And then it wasn't enough just to read about it. We wanted to see it. And so you could capture in a still a moment the food that you were eating, right? On Instagram or on Facebook, you could post what you were doing, a picture of you playing with your kids or you out with a group of friends, hanging out, having fun. You, you could do that, but then that didn't stick around, did it? I mean, we still do that, but now it's advanced to Facebook Live, Snapchat, Instagram Live, where we don't want to just see a picture of it, we somehow want to interact, right? It went from it not just being enough that we read it, we, we want to interact with it. See, the world around us is changing. And church, if we don't realize this, we will miss out on the greatest opportunity to share the message of God with the people around us that we've probably ever had in the history of Christianity. And it's not, I'm not just talking about going on your social media and sharing the message of Christ. What I'm talking about is a world that's looking and wanting to experience the message, not just read it. And you and I have that opportunity to live it out, to live it out, not just to let them see the words on a page, not just to hear something in their ears, but to actually see the way that you're living out the message of Christ. 
And as I mentioned, it's not going to be the same as it was for Ezekiel. You're not going to drag stuff out of your house unless God tells you to. But what he's saying is, hey, you've said that God is kind and compassionate. And do people see that in your life? The way that you talk to other employees? If you're a boss, if you're a leader, the way that you speak to those underneath you, can they see the compassion of Christ? Do they walk out of the room saying, man, there's something different. I've never worked in a place like this where I'm treated with dignity and respect, where someone actually cares about me. There's something different about that person. Students, when we talk about a God that's loving, do other students see that? Is your life full of strife and anger and hatred and you're preaching a God of love? Because there are other peers that are looking at you. There are kids in your classroom. There's kids that are going through divorce and that have experienced hurt and they're wanting to know, can I actually see Jesus in your life? Not just something that you talk about, not just inviting me to a Wednesday night youth service. Do I know that Jesus is real because I see him in your life? When you ask people, how is your day? Do you actually mean it? Or are you just hoping they don't say anything? So they can quickly go on your way, on their way, and you can go on yours. Or like Christ, are you showing them the love and the kindness that Christ has shown us? Are you looking into the eyes of the homeless person that you pass on the street? Or are you telling them through your actions that they're not valuable, they're not really worth your time? See, Jesus is calling us not just to give lip service of compassion, of caring, and of love. He's asking you and me to live it out. He's asking us to invest our time, to invest our energy, to live in such a way that people look at you and they look at me and they may not say, they may say, you know what? I don't know about God. I don't know if I believe all of that, but there is something different about you. I see Jesus in your life. I see Jesus inside of you because of the way that you're living that out. You and I, we have that challenge. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room this morning, and as we've been talking through God's word, maybe you would say, Aaron, you're challenging me to be like Ezekiel, but when I look at my life, I feel like I'm more like the people of God that I've rejected God in some sense in my life, that, that I've been rebellious, that maybe at one time you had a relationship or maybe you never had, but you're rebelling against God's plan and you're trying to do it on your own. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you continue in that way, just like with God's people, it'll lead to death. It'll lead to a spiritual death. It'll lead to destruction and brokenness inside of your life. And just like he did with his people, God is speaking to you and to me this morning. He's calling us back saying, here extending my love, my forgiveness. I'm not here to push you away this morning. I'm here to call you back into a right relationship with me. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose. And if that's you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at and to come forward to the stage. I want to pray with you. The word of God is very clear. We've all sinned. We've all messed up at some point and walked away from God's plan. We've all rebelled against God and tried to do it on our own. And the thing is, we can't fix ourselves, you guys. We can't fix ourselves on our own. But Jesus paid that price. He went to the cross for you and for me, for our forgiveness, so that once again, we could be restored back into a right relationship with God. 
just want to ask if there's anyone in the room and you're saying, that's me. That's you. Would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward? I want to take a moment and pray with you. This isn't God condemning you. He's drawing you back. He's inviting you back into his family. He wants you to come and to be a part once again of his family. believe that God has a plan, God has a purpose for you, that it's his restoration and his redemption. I'm so excited for you this morning. Church, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me, whether you've said this before, whether you're repeating this for the first time, would you pray this with me? Jesus, I come to you. I know my life is broken and I need you in my life. So I ask you, forgive my sins. Forgive any rebellion in my heart. Help me to live for you. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Every day, God, I give myself to you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together this morning and celebrate? Hey, we want to take a quick moment. We just want to talk with you guys and pray with you. And so if you would go with Jeremiah and Ashley right over here, um, we're not going to keep you for long, but we just want to encourage you in taking that next step. And then church, I'm going to ask while they're taking a moment praying together that we would close in prayer together. And this is what I want us to do is, once again, I want us to look at our week and say, God, this week, how do I live out this message that you've given me? God, with the people that I interact with, with people in my school, with people in my workplace, with family members, God, how can I live in such a way to demonstrate your love, God, and your grace, God, and that you're calling people back into a relationship? And I don't know how God will do it in your life. God was obviously very creative with Ezekiel. Once again, I don't know that it'll look exactly like this, but you and I, through our words, through our actions, through the way that we live, we can show people that a person of God has been among them, that God's love is present here on this earth and that he's inviting them back into a relationship with him. So would you join me in praying? I'm gonna lead out, but just pray right where you're at. Ask God, God, show me this week how to live out this message. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you. God, thank you for this powerful example from Ezekiel's life, Lord that you challenged him to live out the message, not just to talk about it, God, but to put it into practice, Lord. And we feel that challenge this morning, Lord. So as we walk into our school this week, as we walk into the workplace, God, as we're around friends and family members, God, help us not just to talk about this. Help us to live it out in such a way, God, that people see you, that they see you inside of us. They see your love. They see your compassion, God. They want that relationship with you because of what they see inside of us, God. Help us to walk this way this week. We pray this in your name. Amen.